بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما إن شاء الله today we will go back to some Meccan history the last couple of weeks we were talking about how different religions came into Yemen. We talked about how Judaism and Christianity entered Yemen. And last week, we talked about how the Persians took over Yemen and how eventually the ruler of Yemen, he accepted Islam. So now we're going to go back, inshallah, we're going to go back to the history of Mecca, to the time that was a few generations before the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and we're going to talk about some of the ancestors and the forefathers of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and we're going to talk about the tribe of the Quraysh and how they got control of Mecca how they became the leaders of Mecca so as we know from the first lesson a few weeks ago when Ibrahim alayhi salam settled his wife Hajar and his son Ismail alayhi salam in Mecca and the well of Zamzam miraculously sprung up in Mecca to take care of Ismail alayhi salam and his mother. There was a tribe that had originally come from Yemen and those tribes that came from Yemen they used to roam around the Arabian Peninsula looking for places to settle where they had a water supply. Because you know the Arabian desert, it's a, it's a very vast and expansive desert and there's no way that you can build a civilization in areas that don't have water. So they used to roam around the Arabian Peninsula looking for a place to settle where they could have a water supply. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He provided the well of Zamzam for Ismail alayhi salam and his mother Hajar alayhi salam. So this tribe that was roaming around they had come from Yemen and the name of this tribe was Jurhum. They found that Mecca was a place that had water. And when they came to Mecca and they saw Ismail alayhi salam and his mother, they asked for permission to settle in that land. They didn't take it over by force, but they asked for permission. They asked Hajar alayhi salam and Ismail alayhi salam, or they asked Hajar alayhi salam because Ismail alayhi salam was a baby. So they asked her for permission to stay in this land and that they would give her some money to drink from that well of Zamzam because this was her well. It was for her and her son and they respected that. So Hajar alayhi salam agreed to this and that is how the tribe of Jurhum <coughs> came into Mecca and they settled in Mecca. Now when Ismail alayhi salam, when he grew up, he married a woman from that tribe as well. So he married a woman from the tribe of Jurhum. So the descendants of Ismail alayhi salam are descendants of the tribe of Jurhum from the mother's side. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is descended from Ismail alayhi salam and he is descended from the tribe of Jurhum from the wife of Ismail alayhi salam's side. So Jurhum, they were the leaders of Mecca for a number of years but then a, another tribe called Khuza'ah they took over Mecca by force and they overpowered the tribe of Jurhum 
and they took over the leadership and the rule of Mecca by force. And Jurhum knew that they were going to be defeated. So before the defeat came, before Khuza'ah took over, Jurhum buried the well of Zamzam. Jurhum buried the well of Zamzam that, so that Khuza'ah couldn't take any benefit from it when they took over the land. So the tribe of Jurhum, they remained in Mecca as residents of Mecca. But the rule was not amongst them anymore. Now the rule came to Khuza'ah, the tribe of Khuza'ah. And now Zamzam was hidden or it was buried. <coughs> After some time, one of the leaders from Khuza'ah, his name was Amr ibn Luhay, and we spoke about this in detail previously. He is the one who actually brought idol worship back into the Arabian Peninsula. This was a man named Amr ibn Luhay from the tribe of Khuza'ah. He is the one who brought shirk back into the Arabian Peninsula when before that they were all on Tawheed, on the deen of Ibrahim So Khuza'ah, they had control of Mecca for many centuries. They kept control of Mecca for many centuries. And the people of Jurhum, who originally had the rule of Mecca, they stayed in Mecca as residents and they were always very upset that their rights had been taken away from them and this rule had been forcibly taken away from them by Khuza'ah. So after a few centuries, <coughs> there was a man from the children of Ismail salam, from the descendants of Ismail salam, and of course he was from Jurhum because the wife of Ismail salam, was a woman from Jurhum. So this man, his name was Husay ibn Kilab. Husay ibn Kilab. And he was from the children of Ismail salam, from the descendants of Ismail salam, and he was from the tribe of Jurhum. And he was a very well-respected man. He was very wealthy, he was rich, he was honored, he was very generous, he was known for his noble characteristics. So everybody respected him. Even the tribe of Khuza'ah, they respected him as well, even though he was from the people of Jurhum. They respected him so much that the leader of the Khuza'ah at that time, the leader of Mecca at that time from Khuza'ah, his name was Hulayl. <coughs> he gave his daughter in marriage to Qusay ibn Kilab. He gave his own daughter in marriage to Qusay ibn Kilab, even though he was not from the tribe of Khuza'ah, rather he was from the tribe of Jurhum. But out of the honor and respect that they had for this man, the leader of Khuza'ah, the Sayyid of Mecca, the ruler of Mecca, he gave his own daughter to Qusay ibn Kilab. So now Qusay ibn Kilab married the daughter of the ruler and his respect and his honor amongst the people increased even more. This is a man from the children of Ismail salam. That's one point of respect that they have for him. Now he is married to the daughter of the ruler of Mecca. That's another point of respect for him. He is a man of honor, a man of respect, a man of generosity, a man who has such noble characteristics. <coughs> so his respect amongst the people increased. And he became more powerful. He became more powerful. And he was thinking of a way how he could get the rule of Mecca back into the hands of Jurhum. And when his father-in-law died, when Hulayl, the leader of Mecca, the leader of the tribe of Khuza'ah, when he died, and he was the father-in-law of, father of Qusay, when he died, Qusay 
proclaimed himself the new ruler of Mecca. He saw this as an opportunity to proclaim himself as the new ruler of Mecca. <coughs> so now the people of Khuza'a, they're saying, no, no way. The leader has to be from Khuza'a. We are the rulers of Mecca, not Jurhum. And Qusay is from Jurhum. Qusay declares himself and he proclaims, I am the new leader of Mecca. And he gets some help from his own tribe. Now Qusay, we said he is from the children of Ismail And from the children of Ismail was a man named Fihr. And Fihr was also known as Quraysh. So Qusay is from the lineage of Fihr. And Fihr is from the lineage of Ismail So Qusay is from the lineage of Quraysh. So he gets help from his family, from his tribe, from the Quraysh. And they start fighting. The Quraysh <coughs> start fighting with Khuza'a. And what are they fighting over? They are fighting over rule of Mecca. They want to rule Mecca. And why do they want to rule Mecca? Because ruling Mecca is a source of honor. These people, they valued honor more than anything else, more than wealth, more than any material possessions, more than power even. Honor was the big thing for them. So the leader of Mecca, what does he get to do? He gets to serve the Hujjaj. He gets to give food and drink to the guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who are coming to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gets to take care of the Kaaba. He gets to put a kiswa covering on the Kaaba. These are all <coughs> sources of honor. And the Arabs, they were very much into honor. So honor meant more to them than wealth, than material possessions, than all of these things. So they were fighting over honor. So the Quraysh under Qusay ibn Kilab start a fight with Khuza'a over who gets to rule Mecca. And this fight, <coughs> this war, it became so severe. And there were so many casualties from both sides. From the, sides, from the side of Quraysh, which is the side of Jurhum, and from the side of Khuza'a as well. There were so many deaths, so many casualties, that the people from both sides, they started to get scared. They said, look, if this goes on like this, then both of these tribes are going to become extinct. Jurhum will be gone and Khuza'a will also be gone. So they were afraid. So they wanted <coughs> to come up with a solution. So they decided to start some negotiations. And with these negotiations, eventually both sides, the side of Qusay ibn Kilab and the side of Khuza'a, they agreed to have a man named Ya'mur ibn Awf. And Ya'mur ibn Awf was an old man and he was a very wise old man from the Arabs and he was respected on both sides. So after the negotiations, both sides agreed to allow Ya'mur ibn Awf to mediate between them. And whatever he decides, they will agree and surrender to his decision. Whatever side he takes. Whoever's argument he agrees with and allows them to take the rule of Mecca, they will agree to the hukum, to the ruling of this man, Ya'mur ibn Awf. So both sides agreed. Both sides respected him. So Khuza'a and Quraysh, they both agreed to let Ya'mur Ibn Auf mediate between them and they took <coughs> they took oaths and they brought witnesses that we swear whatever Ya'mur Ibn Auf says we surrender to it completely without question 
Both sides agreed to this. So now the mediation begins. So Qusay ibn Kilab, he starts with his argument in front of Ya'mur ibn Auf, the mediator. And he says, this was the land of my father, Ismail alayhi salam. Zamzam came up for my father, Ismail alayhi salam. This was our land. And Khuza'ah, they took this land by force. They took this land by force. They stole it from us when it was our right. And even though this happened centuries ago, that doesn't make it okay. So to give like a modern day analogy of what happened to Jurhum, it's like what the Zionists have done to the Palestinians land today. Right? That's the Palestinians land. But the Zionists, they took it over by force. And now the Palestinians are still living there, but they have to live under the Zionist rule. So this is similar to what happened between Jurhum and Khuza'ah. Khuza'ah took Mecca by force. Jurhum is still living there, but they have to live under the rule of Khuza'ah. So this is what Qusay ibn Kilab explained to the mediator, Ya'mur ibn Auf. Now when it's Khuza'ah's turn, to give their argument to the mediator. What do they have? They have nothing. Everybody knows that that's the truth. What Qusay ibn Kilab said is the complete truth. That Khuza'ah took over that land by force and they had no right to do so. <coughs> so in the end, <coughs> Ya'mur ibn Auf, being a fair man, being a man of justice, he says, my decision is that Everything goes to Qusay ibn Kilab. Everything goes to him. The right to give water to the Hujjaj, the right to put the cover on the Kaaba, the rule of Mecca, it goes to Qusay ibn Kilab. And Khuza'ah, you have nothing. Khuza'ah, you have nothing. And remember that both sides had agreed and they swore that they would abide by whatever Ya'mur ibn Auf decides. And they made sure that they kept their end of the bargain. They didn't try to fight it. They accepted it and they left the rule of Mecca and they gave it up to Qusay ibn Kilab. So this is how the rule of Mecca <coughs> came back to the descendants of Ismail alayhi salam. And this is how the rule of Mecca came to the Quraysh because Qusay ibn Kilab was from Fihr and Fihr is also known as Quraysh. So this is how the Quraysh first got control of Mecca. Now Qusay ibn Kilab as the ruler of Mecca now. He is the undisputed ruler of Mecca. And everybody loves him and everybody respects him. And now with this increased power that he has, he becomes even more generous in terms of serving the Hujjaj and serving his people and the love that the people have for him in their hearts it increases. So one of the things that Qusay <coughs> ibn Kilab did once he became the ruler of Mecca is he built a hall, a function hall, if you will. And the name of this function hall was called Darun Nadwa. And this Darun Nadwa, this function hall, it was used by the people of Mecca for all of their important events and all of their important occasions. Whenever they would need to make a big announcement, they would make sure that they announce it from the Darun Nadwa. If they were going to announce a war, for example, they would announce it from the Darun Nadwa. If the leaders 
of the Quraysh, if they needed to get together to discuss some matter or to consult on some matter, they would get together in the Darun Nadwa. Later on, it even became a place where different types of events would take place. Like any wedding that would take place in Mecca, it would take place in the Darun Nadwa. And the Arabs, they used to also have a type of ceremony when a girl, when a young girl, when she reaches the age where she has to start wearing the, the abaya or the outer garment, they would have some type of a ceremony for that as well. And they would do it in the Darun Nadwa. So any important event, any occasion, it was all done in the Darun Nadwa. So this hall became a very, very important fixture in the city of Mecca. And Qusay ibn Kilab, he was a man of great honor and he was a man that was so highly respected by the people. So whatever he built and whatever he took care of, the people held that in high regard as well. So the Darun Nadwa, it became a place that was known for the honor of the Quraysh. It became a symbol of the honor of the Quraysh. Now, <clears throat> Darun Nadwa in later years, it was also the place where the Quraysh gathered together on the night that Rasulullah made his hijrah from Mecca to Medina. The leaders of the Quraysh, they got together in that same Darun Nadwa and in that Darun Nadwa, they plotted how to get rid of Rasulullah They plotted the murder of Rasulullah in that same place, in that Darun Nadwa. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from that plot. Alright, so now when Qusay ibn Kilab, when he became old and he knew that his death was approaching, <coughs> he started thinking about <coughs> what to do about his children. And he had many children. From the children that he had, one of his sons' name was Abd Manaf, and another one of his sons was named Abd Dar, and he had other sons as well. And he saw that all of his sons were highly regarded and respected by the people. All of his sons had honor and they had position and they had status and everybody respected them. Except one son. One of his sons, nobody really cared about him that much and he didn't really have much respect amongst the people. And his name was Abdul Dar. And he was the oldest son of Qusay ibn Kilab. So, Qusay decided that my other sons, you know, they have a position in society, they have this status, they have this honor, they have this respect, but Abdul Dar, he doesn't have anything. So in order to get him that status and that honor and respect that his brothers had, Qusay ibn Kilab said that after I die, everything, all of my power and all of my honor and all of these things that I do in terms of taking care of the Kaaba and taking care of the Hujjaj, all of these responsibilities, I am giving them to Abdul Dar alone. And he prevented any of his other sons from having any share in that. So everything went to <coughs> Abdul Dar. Now, the sons of Qusay ibn Kilab, they respected his decision. They respected the decision of their father and they didn't try to fight it. So Abdul Dar, he becomes the ruler. And now he is responsible for taking care of the Hujjaj and taking care of the Kaaba and taking care of the Darul Nadwa and taking care of Mecca. So now, when Abdul Dar died, 
when Abduddar died, the sons of Abduddar, they wanted to take over from their father. But the sons of Qusay ibn Kilab, who didn't get anything from him, they thought that they had more right to get that back from their brother now. And they said to the sons of Abduddar, to their nephews, they said, look, our father, <coughs> he, gave, <coughs> he gave everything to your father because your father, you know, he didn't have much of a position and he didn't have much respect. So he gave it to him for that reason. And now that he has passed away and he got whatever the father intended for him. Once he got all of that, he became respected and he became honored. So our father's intention was fulfilled. Now that your father has passed away, it is our right to take this back because it should have actually come to us in the first place, but we didn't want to fight against our father's wishes. So we have more right to take this than you. But the sons of Abduddar, they didn't want to hear that. They said, no, our father had it, now we get to have it. So a big fight was about to start between the remaining sons of Qusay ibn Kilab and the sons of Abduddar. There was going to be a big fight between the uncles and the nephews. <coughs> but before it came to fighting, before it came to war, they were able to come to a negotiation and they were able to come to an agreement to split the honor, to split the responsibilities of the Kaaba and the other aspects of Makkah. So the family of Abduddar, they got the right to cover the Kaaba, to do the Kiswa of the Kaaba. And the family of Abd Manaf, who was one of the other sons of Qusay ibn Kilab, the family of Abd Manaf, they got the right to give drink to the Hujjaj. When the Hujjaj would come to make Hajj, <coughs> Abd Manaf had the responsibility to provide them with drink. So they were able to come to uh, an agreement where they would share the responsibilities and share these honors of taking care of the city of Mecca. And it continued like this for many generations. And that's why we know that the grandfather of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Abdul Muttalib, he was in charge of taking care of the drink of water for the Hujjaj. Why is that? Because he was from the family of, of Abd Manaf. And Abd Manaf was the one who got the responsibility of providing water for the Hujjaj. So that remained with his family and Abdul Muttalib took over when his turn for that came as well. Now we know that that water that Abd Manaf and subsequently his descendants would provide for the Hujjaj. <coughs> At first, <coughs> that water was not coming from Zamzam. Because as we said many years before, just before Khuza'ah took over Mecca, the tribe of Jurhum, they buried the well of Zamzam. So there was no Zamzam coming out now in Mecca. It was hidden. So they would actually, Abd Manaf and his descendants after him, they would get water from outside of Mecca. They would actually import water into Mecca to provide it for the Hujjaj. Look at how seriously they took this obligation. That's not an easy thing to do in those days, to bring water from outside and provide it for the Hujjaj. <coughs> not only that, <coughs> but these people were so honorable that they wouldn't just give them water like that, plain water, no. They had to mix this water with some leban. Leban is like a yogurt type of drink, like, you know, lassi. Anyone from Pakistan and India, you know what that is, right? And Arabs, you know what leban is. They would mix the water with leban 
or they would mix it with honey or something right and then give it to the hujjaj just to show their respect and show their honor to the guests of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is how seriously they took this responsibility and it continued like that for generations and it came to the responsibility of abdul muttalib the grandfather of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as well when his time came <coughs> so that was one of the great honors and responsibilities that the Quraysh had taking care of the Kaaba and taking care of the Hujjaj. After that, a secondary honor that they had that they also took very seriously was taking care of the Darul Nadwa, that function hall that Qusay ibn Kilab built. So they felt that was a great responsibility and a great honor for them as well. And the Darul Nadwa, it, <coughs> it was agreed that the Darul Nadwa would stay with the family of Abdul Dar. That the Darul Nadwa's responsibility is taking care of it and its ownership, it would stay with the family of Abdul Dar. And it remained with the family of Abdul Dar for many years, for many generations. Until one day, it was sold by one of the descendants of Abdul Dar to a man named Hakim ibn Huzam. And Hakim ibn Huzam, later on, he became a companion of Rasulullah. So, how did it get sold to Hakim? Ibn Huzam. From the family of Abdul Dar, there was a man who had the key to the Darul Nadwa and he was the owner of it and he had the responsibility of it. And Hakim ibn Huzam knew this man. And they used to actually, in the old days, they used to drink alcohol together. They used to drink wine together. Hakim ibn Huzam and the owner of the Darul Nadwa, who was from the descendants of Abdul Dar. So one day they were sitting together, they were drinking together, drinking alcohol together. And the owner of the Darul Nadwa, this man from the family of Abdul Dar, he was drunk. He was completely drunk. And Hakim ibn Huzam, he saw this and he saw this as an opportunity to take advantage of him. So he said to him, will you sell the Darul Nadwa to me? Will you sell it to me? And he said, yeah, sure, I'll sell it to you. He's drunk. He said, yeah, I'll sell it to you. No problem. So then Hakim asked him, okay, how much? And the man says, one bottle of wine. I'll sell it to you for one bottle of wine. So Hakim ibn Huzam says, okay, I'm ready to do it. Let's do it right now. He wanted to do it quickly before the man becomes sober again. <coughs> so he brought witnesses and they got the contracts drawn up and everything. And the transaction took place. And that is how the Darul Nadwa was sold from the family of Abdul Dar to Hakim ibn Huzam. Now Hakim ibn Huzam, as we said later on, he became a companion of Rasulullah He became a Muslim and he kept that Darul Nadwa. It was still under his ownership during the time of Rasulullah and then even after Rasulullah passed away during the time of the Khulafa al-Rashidin, all of them during the time of Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali Hakim ibn Huzam is still alive. He lived to a very old age. Then during the time of Muawiyah when Muawiyah was the Khalifa, <coughs> Hakim ibn Huzam sold the Darul Nadwa. He sold Darul Nadwa for 100,000 dinars. He sold it for 100,000 dinars. And when Muawiyah when he heard this, he was actually angry. He was upset. He was like, how could you sell the honor of the Quraysh? Darul Nadwa, this was the honor of the Quraysh. How could you sell 
the honor of the Quraysh for 100,000 dinars. And then Hakim ibn Huzam, he said, honor today is not from the Dar al-Nadwa. Honor today is with taqwa. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, inna akramakum indallahi atqaakum. Surely the most honorable amongst you is the one who has the most taqwa. So there is no honor with the Dar al-Nadwa. The honor is with taqwa. And <coughs> I bear witness and I want you all to witness that that 100,000 dinars that I got from the sale of Darul Nadwa, it is sadaqah in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he donated, donated it all fi sabilillah. So this is how Hakim ibn Huzam sold the Darul Nadwa. Now, as we said, Qusay ibn Kilab, he was from Fihr, from the Quraysh. And Abdul Muttalib came from his descendants. Now we said Qusay ibn Kilab, he had many sons. From those sons was Abdul Abd Manaf, and he also had Abdul Dar, and he had other sons. Okay, from his son Abd Manaf. So we have Qusay ibn Kilab, and we have his son Abd Manaf. Now Abd Manaf, he had a number of sons as well. Abd Manaf had uh, Hashim, and he had Al Muttalib, and he had other sons as well. Now the son of Hashim was a boy named Shayba. So let's look at the generations here. We have Qusay ibn Kilab and we have his son Hashim and Hashim has a son named. We have Qusay ibn Kilab and we have his, his son Abd Manaf and then we have his, his son Hashim and then we have his son Shayba. So Shayba grew up with his mother because Hashim died while Shayba was still a young boy. And the mother of Hashim lived outside of Mecca actually. The mother of Hashim, she was from, her family was from outside of Mecca. So she kept her son with, with her outside of Mecca. <coughs> and the father of this boy, Hashim, had already died. Now when this boy grew up, when Shayba grew up, when he became an adolescent, when he reached maturity, his uncle, Al-Muttalib, and Al-Muttalib was another one of the sons of Abd Manaf. And Al-Muttalib was the brother of Hashim. So Hashim passed away and Hashim's son Shayba is growing up with his mother outside of Mecca. Al-Muttalib is still there in Mecca. Now when Shayba becomes mature, when he becomes an adolescent, his uncle Al-Muttalib comes from Mecca to take the boy back to Mecca. So he comes to the mother's house and says, I want to take my nephew Shayba back to Mecca with me. And she said, no, how can you take my son away from me? And then Al-Muttalib said that your son, the son of my brother Hashim, he is a leader and he cannot stay outside of Mecca. He is from the leading family and he needs to go back to Mecca now that he has reached age. So the mother said, okay, let's leave it in his choice. Let him do whatever he wants to do. Let the boy decide for himself. If he wants to stay with me, he can stay with me. If he wants to go with you, he can go with you. So they gave the choice to Shayba. And Shayba said, I'm going to go back to Mecca with my uncle, Al-Muttalib. Because he wanted to be part of that honor of leading Mecca and taking care of Mecca. He didn't want to just stay outside with his mother. So he goes with his uncle, Al-Muttalib, and they enter back into Mecca. Now, it was known those days that slavery was very common. And 
the people would go outside of Mecca and they would buy slaves and they would come back into Mecca. So when Al-Muttalib came back with his nephew into Mecca and his nephew's name was Shaiba. When Al-Muttalib came back with his nephew Shaiba back into Mecca, the people see Al-Muttalib with this young boy. They don't know who he is. They think, oh, Al-Muttalib has gone outside of Mecca to buy a slave and he's bringing his slave back into Mecca. <coughs> so they call this young boy. They say he is Abdul Muttalib. He is Abd Al-Muttalib, the slave of Al-Muttalib. Even though that was not his name. His name was Shaiba. But he became known as Abdul Muttalib because of that. And Abdul Muttalib, as you know, he is the grandfather of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now Abdul Muttalib, he had many sons. He had 10 sons and he had six daughters. So he had 16 children, 10 sons and six daughters. And amongst his sons was the father of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib. So now we can get an idea of the lineage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam a little bit, right? So we have <coughs> Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib ibn Hashim ibn Abd Manaf ibn Qusay ibn Kilab. This is the lineage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib ibn Hashim ibn Abd Manaf ibn Qusay ibn Kilab. So inshallah next week we will talk about Abdul Muttalib and we will talk about how he rediscovered the well of Zamzam. The well of Zamzam was buried for centuries and how what is the story of Abdul Muttalib rediscovering that well? We'll talk about that next week inshallah. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.